Welcome to episode 135 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And Cameron, how excited are you? I'm so <laughs> excited right now. I know you said that just to make me hit the pillow so you could take it away. I know. I really need to take the pillow away from you. Like, nope. I'm, I need I need data. I need reasons to take it away from you. Nope. I'm this so... This is called entrapment. I know it is. Uh, I'm so excited because today... One, we're done talking about Zeta, except I think you have some final notes on Zeta. Uh, but we finally shifted the podcast from your childhood to my childhood. Yes, yes. We, we the, the micro-generational shift yes. has happened now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now the, uh, the age difference will become very apparent. The, we are day one static. I'm so excited to finally... I mean, I've been wanting to talk about Static this since whole, we started the podcast. Yeah, I, this was the 135 show... 135 episodes ago. This is the show you were most excited for, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I still am after watching these two episodes. It only took us three years to get here. I know. Three long... And we've learned a lot. We have. We've grown a lot as people. Yes. We've kind of figured out how podcasts work. Eh. We know we're supposed to do it every week. Yeah. <laughs> Out of force of habit, we continue to do this every single week. Yes. Um, but no, we're, we're through the Zeta era, um, which is for the best. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I, I think it's just fair to say no matter how you cut it, we just weren't super excited about that show. And that's what we'll say of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is definitely something you're super excited about. It was almost weird starting up a new show because I'd been so pessimistic for so long. I know. Like, I forgot how to... like commentate on this like comedically because you were just so mad all the time yeah, so, just sitting there. well i mean even with like the kind of the the, the back end of batman beyond wasn't amazing no I, I think that's we really haven't been doing great stuff since the new batman adventures era yeah like realistically like a lot of superman until, was kind now. Of, until now well we'll get there eventually <laughs> Uh, no, I think our roles are definitely going to reverse. I, I, I'm, I have my critical cap on. Yeah. Oh, and I have my nostalgia <laughs> goggles. I have like three pair on right now. <laughs> you can barely see anything. I can't. I can only see just Warner Brothers putting their money in their wallet. Dun, putting dun, my dun, money dun, in their wallet. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. Yep. Uh, but okay, before we get into static, I'm going to delay you further because we do have a little bit of news to talk about. We have a lot of news to talk we have a lot, about. This lot, is a big week. Yeah, lots of stuff happened. Um, and where, I didn't pay attention to any of no, it. No. Where do you want to start? Because there's a lot to cover. Let's start with the, uh, the movie announcements. Okay, yeah. So uh, a couple big Marvel movie announcements. Mm-hmm. We're getting Into the Spider-Verse 2. Yes, 2022. April of 2022. And we're getting Ant-Man 3. Which is the surprising one, for me at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there have been rumblings about it for a long time. Did you, did you see the, uh, the Halloween costume, which spread across the internet this weekend? Oh, this when, week? uh, Paul Rudd's daughter dressed up as the Wasp and he dressed up as Weirdo Yankovic? Yes. Wasn't that last year? Oh, was it? I'm pretty sure that was last year's costume. Okay, well, the, the photos spread this year. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, because it was timed right around the, <clears throat> or the release happened, or the announcement happened, and everyone's like, let's look up pictures of Paul Rudd. Okay. To have things included in our articles. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm actually really excited about that. I... I think Ant-Man of the Wasp is definitely on the lesser end of our... I think it was pretty low on our short list. Yeah, it, it was... If I recall. Yeah, m- like bottom middle. Yeah, I, that one's not necessarily great, um, but I, I quite like the first one. And then I just think Paul Rudd's great. Same, yeah. I'm, that, I'm most excited movie. just for more Paul Rudd. Yeah. I could care less about 
kind of the Marvel side of it. Yeah, I think that's a great cast. And I, I don't know if they've been super well utilized. I'm kind of hoping that now that we're in the beginning of a, a new era of Marvel, that maybe these films would be a little bit more individualized. And maybe this one can be a little bit more playful and less constricted by having to slot in with bigger storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the the Giant Man reveal is so great in Civil War, but Peyton Reed has even talked about the fact that he was disappointed that that was utilized somewhere else. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping this time around, because they're not having to gear up and like prepare for Infinity War and Endgame, they can just let it just be a, a fun caper film. Okay. Oh, yeah, because I, I was going to ask the opposite of that, of who, if, if they were going to put in another um, hero make it another buddy cop like Thor, who would you want to see? Who do you want to be with him? War Machine. That's a good one. Yeah. If, if only just because that amazing line in Endgame, he's like, what's up, regular size man? <laughs> so good. Well, because I feel like those two, well, one, they're, they're kind of both at the edge of the main team. Yeah, they're a little on the periphery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, Don Cheadle is just, it's such a good straight man. Yeah. It, that's a great folly to go up against a Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. So that's the one I would want to see the most. Yeah. Cause then you can bring back in, um, the detect, uh, Oh God, who's the, who's the police detective? Oh, the, the FBI agent. Yeah. I don't remember who's that actor's name. Uh, Randall Park is the yeah, actor. Yeah, right. they can bring I, Randall I can't remember Park the character's in. name, but he's so good. I, I want Randall Park to be there and just like be a huge fan of Rhodey. Oh yeah. That would and be so good. He's like, he he still wants to be their friend, but also he is like now the fanboy as well. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah, where are we going? What are we what are we going? What are we doing tonight? Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of ignoring Scott. Yeah, because Rhodey's there. Yeah, and then Scott because at the end in Wasp, you know, he was like, "Do you want to get dinner?" Yeah, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, so now Scott's like, "Well, I thought we were I thought we were friends." <laughs> I would be all for it. I I'm I'm excited about this. That that's one that I was really hoping we'd get more of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more excited, obviously, for Into the Spider Verse, a sequel on that. Oh, absolutely! Because that movie is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing else to say. No, it's it amazing. <laughs> uh, wait, were there any other movie announcements? I feel like it was those two. Uh, I think that was it. Okay, we had a lot of other announcements. Yes, uh, one I'm super excited for. The cast for the Batman continues to get better and better. The great Jeffrey Wright, my personal favorite, Felix Leiter is going to be Jim Gordon. Felix Slider? James Bond. Gotcha. Yeah. He's the uh, Bond's CIA counterpart. Has appeared in a number of films, usually played by different actors almost every single time. Okay. Yeah, he's in Casino Royale. Well, you could also say that he's in... uh, Westworld? Westworld. Or any other amazing projects that he does. Yes. No, he's incredible, but Mm. I just... Look, I fell in love with him. From his work in Casino Royale, as I did with many actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I'm super excited about this. I think he's I great, he's great casting for Jim Gordon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's going to be so much fun. They're like, this cast is really, really stacked, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, it's really easy to topple a big stack. What? 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 This is a weird metaphor. No. Yes. <laughs> Was that a segue to... No. Something? No. I'm saying that... If, if our expectations are so high, we could very easily be disappointed. No, I'm saying all it takes is one thing for Warner Brothers to mess everything up. Well, to be fair, they don't always make the best decisions. That's right. So that's what I was going for. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave this to you for a while. It's probably a good idea. Maybe yeah. leave the Warner Brother criticism to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. 
Speaking of which, should we talk about HBO Max? Let's talk about HBO Max. So they just put out their uh, slate of shows. Like, well, did they did they announce a price point yet? I don't know if they have. Okay. I still haven't. Done- it's going to be the most expensive one. I'm going to say that now. Probably, and I also know there's this weird complication about it. I think some like HBO Go people carry over, but HBO Now won't. It's, it's yes, a whole that, weird thing. No, that's exactly it. It's um, HBO has two different contract systems going out. So the HBO Go is everything that's already connected to HBO Channel. So those contracts are all still internal. Whereas HBO Now, nope, Matt, nope, Max, no, Now, HBO Now, okay is a completely separate entity within HBO. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's almost like um, like this. Mm, no, that's a bad analogy. Well, okay. So I guess in the same way that um, like ABC and the other Disney channels are the, what's referred to as the, the linear versions of Disney's content. It's traditional like week to week broadcast. And then Disney plus is it's the, the term is OTT the over the top platforms. Mm-hmm. I guess in that same way, HBO go will continue to be the quote unquote linear version of HBO. And then HBO max will be its OTT version. Yeah. Well, so all three are still going to exist. That's the problem right Wait, now. Sorry. So they're not getting, are they? No. So HBO go is still given to people that have cable. Yeah, okay. So if you have a cable package, you have HBO go. Yeah. HBO Now is a separate payment thing that has its own contracts attached to it. Okay. HBO Max is going to be a third entity that if you pay for it, you will get Go, but you won't get all of Now. Fuck. How fucking confusing is that? Uh, very, yeah. very confusing. Yeah. So HBO uh, Now, I think, is well, like eight eight to ten bucks a month. I don't know. That's the one I don't pay for. Same. We like share amongst the family. I pay for most of them. But... <clears throat> um, so Max has been rumored to be anywhere from fifteen to twenty dollars a month. What? Yes, three times as much as Disney Plus coming out on November twelfth <laughs> for the low low cost of six ninety nine. I genuinely wish Disney Plus was paying us <laughs> any any amount of money. I would just settle for a free subscription, or even just like a, a hand three month trial, a, a handful of pennies just thrown at us from the side of a disney van driving past my apartment i would take even that mm-hmm. some sort of compensa- like compensation for just the sheer amount of free publicity you're giving them <laughs> yeah everywhere yeah like I, it's right now santa monica boulevard like every bus stop is a disney plus ad with the actual like arc over like a physical disney plus logo and arc over the top of it and every time i drive past in the morning on the way to work i think this isn't necessary la has cameron yeah i i i Stick my head out my window with a loudspeaker and just go, Disney Plus, November 12th for $6.99. You too can watch $613. You just drive down the street with a <laughs> megaphone out your driver's window, just yelling at people. Yeah. Standing on corners with cardboard signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think this is interesting. Wait till you hear about Disney Plus. <laughs> God, you're like the end is nigh guy, but for Disney Plus. Yeah. But so there, there is... There's a lot of content on there. I'd say, I mean, we're not going to get into like a, a dick measuring contest between HBO Max and Disney Plus because I think everyone is doing that and probably doing better coverage than we will. Mm-hmm. But there is some good stuff on there and there is some DC stuff specifically, which is why we're bringing it up. Okay. Um, so there is a project uh, from Elizabeth Banks production company called DC Superhero High, which you said they, they've been trying to do something like this for they, a number of years, right? Uh, both, I think writers and fans have been wanting something like this forever. I think originally... 
um, the clone high guys you used to talk about this. Oh, Lord of Miller. Day. Yeah. Um, Lord of Miller. We trust. Yeah. Right after clone high, they wanted to do some other kind of superhero high school. And then I think there was a, a fan made comic series about it. Uh, well, there was that, um, that, Fan trailer on yeah, YouTube, right? Yeah, the fan right? trailer where it's Harley. Uh, a lot. Yeah, the, it's like the Harley Quinn story, and it utilized a lot of 10 Things Hate About You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was that, which kind of brought it to light, and then there was a bunch of fan art of just all of the the Batman rogues gallery at high school together. Oh, yeah, I've seen some of that. Uh-huh. Um, it's something I've wanted forever. I think that's such a fun idea. Yeah, it's unclear... Maybe I can like go back through the the link which I have up here. It's a little bit unclear if um, it's going to be live action or and I'd I'd be happy with either. Let's see, uh, half hour comedy from Elizabeth Banks. If it's Elizabeth Banks, I don't think she's ever done animation. It doesn't specify if it's going to be animation or if it's going to be live action. So I, I guess we can probably assume live action. What'll be interesting to see is <clears throat> what characters they choose to use here, because obviously for a long time DC was coveting their big name mm-hmm. characters right um but you know if like for example they killed off the suicide squad on arrow because they want to hold on to that they never let batman appear in any of the stuff on tv because they wanted to keep it for the movies that's changing now i mean there was rumors this week about uh the cw doing a superman lois show with uh the, yeah yeah with those versions of tyler hoakland and, and I, I forget the actress's name who plays lois um but like that's a pretty big deal they'd be like for TV, once again, yeah, take Superman. Like, take Superman, Superman, not even, you know, like a Smallville version. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Like, they might actually end up using some big-name characters. It might be more, like, Young Justice style in terms of some of the teen characters. Like, maybe, like, a Bumblebee or something thrown in there. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like DC is still kind of teetering on if they want it to be a connected universe or not. Yeah, well, that's where it gets really messy. Because you think even about the Batman... Like, that is clearly separated from the Ben Affleck era. Yes. But at the same time... You have Superman cameoing in Shazam. Yeah, but it's... Or at least his his bottom half. His body, yeah. Yeah. And just the suit. And then, you know, we have Birds of Prey, which is obviously still very closely tied with uh, Suicide Squad. We're getting another Suicide Squad movie, too. And, you know, they'll probably make some changes, but even just visually, there's some, some similarities in terms of the aesthetic. And there's a lot of major Batman characters specifically in that. So it's this weird question we're going to have now of like, is this completely separate? Cause that, that to me, that ultimately is the most disappointing thing about all this falling apart. I mean, beyond the fact that they didn't really give us good movies is that we don't get that sort of like inner crossing cameo appearance stuff that we get with Marvel. Like we, mm-hmm. we don't have the possibility of, you know, uh, black Canary all of a sudden showing up in a Batman movie and maybe throwing in like green arrow at some point like mm-hmm. it's all so separated out that it's, it's a little well, so muddy. so here's the thing though is dc is so good at just playing that multiverse card <clears throat> i mean that's is we we can have true. six years of separate movies where they, they can do ev- they can separate everything now and i think that'll be fine and then it just one movie like oh and now uh portals everyone's together now everyone's together okay so uh, slight tangent question here given the the success uh, of um, into the Spider-Verse. Do you think that that's going to help bring multiverses into the mainstream? Like, do you think that without, without a big success of say 
uh, into the Spider-Verse and the last Arrowverse crossover, we don't get like a Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then maybe now because we have that, all of a sudden the idea of multiverse starts to like seep into the zeitgeist. Do you think we're going to start seeing that happen on a bigger, bigger scale? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I think we had been moving that way for a while. Um, I mean, I realized that as I said that the next Doctor Strange movie is called like what the master of the multiverse or something yeah. like that. So I mean, it's there. It's already happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I remember, I think Flash was the first one to talk about the multiverse. Yeah. And they had to dedicate a whole episode to just explaining what it was. Well, that's exactly it. And then they did the, you know, the crossover with Supergirl and they got to the point where they can literally just like flick a switch and like hop between dimensions, like go yeah. and chill and like go to weddings and shit like that. And, and my concern was, was exactly that. It, not, not that was, was that the audience, the, the casual audience wasn't going to get it. Yeah. But then you have Spider-Verse come out where they don't even explain it. It's in the background while someone else is talking. Yeah, which is really impressive when you think about how, you know, like Endgame, for example, had to spend so much time explaining its time travel rules, and even then they didn't really quite make sense. Yeah, and then they broke them all. And they broke them all, which actually, like, the more I think about it, they didn't... We're not going to get into that. But most of these things, when they introduce to these, like, big high concept sci-fi things have to spend a lot of time setting it all up. Um, and maybe we're now getting to the point where, you know, films are treating their audience like they're actually like decently smart. Like maybe we don't really have to get into the nitty gritty of this mm -hmm. and we can just kind of, as long as you get the broad concept, we can just play around this space and it'll be good. It helps with something like Spider-Verse that it has a, a meta tone to it as well. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping there is some sort of connective tissue because one of the other projects we're getting is Green Lantern. Yes. So Greg Berlanti is attached to this. Obviously, he's like the grand poobah of anything CW. Um, I think he, within the last couple of years, broke the record for the most number of active shows on air at the same time. Oh, that's... I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, he's got so many of them. This, and he's obviously... Because he also does stuff with the DC app, right? Uh, Didn't he also produce like Doom Patrol or I, one of them? I think, yeah, I think he... For the first season of I Titans? I think he worked on Titans. I think he helped develop Titans. Um, but he's been attached so to Green Lantern. Say, I'm, I'm caught up right now and I hate it. I, I think I'm done. Okay. I made it like five. I think I made uh -huh. it. Did you make it to, to Bruce dancing in a... No. Okay. I made it to the episode where Deathstroke has captured Jason Todd and they're trying to decide if they're going to hand over Rose or not. And I'm like this episode doesn't need to exist. Like you have wasted an entire episode. You, this is a just pure filler episode. Yeah. Like I was so annoyed having, Oh, just wait. Cause the next two I are actual filler. episodes. I'm, I think I'm done. Like I know the next episode introduces Connor and you said there's some good super button there, but that may not be enough for me to actually watch it. Cause like, mm -hmm. I was so annoyed watching them just tread water that I immediately had to go watch an episode of the good place, which burns through story fast than anyone just mm -hmm. to see what it's like when master writers are in charge of something. Yeah. But anyways, mm -hmm. So Greg Berlanti has been attached to doing something with Green Lantern for a long time. I think he was he was also attached to Flash at one point, but he was been working on trying to do a Green oh, Lantern man. property I, for did, years. Did I tell you about uh, when they they showed the the Flash teaser back at Comic Con? Oh, Comic Con, so many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I still think about that because it was good. Look, there's probably a version of that movie that could have been really good. Yeah. Who knows if we're going to get one at this point? Well, because it was Who like cares? that was that was Jeff Johns' baby. That was when he yeah. was still. Like solely attached to all creative things, onto every like he was the Kevin Feige. Yeah, and and we've talked about that. I think Jeff Johns is amazing creative. I just don't think he's necessarily like a producer. Yeah, like Kevin Feige, you know, cut his teeth producing movies for the um, the Donners, mm -hmm. not the 
cannibals, but the like Richard yeah, Donner. I, I assume R- so. Yeah, Richard Donner, Lauren Sh- mm-hmm. uh, Schuler Donner. Um, yeah, so like he's you know at the end of the day he's a producer. I just don't think Jeff Johns is in quite the same way. Yeah, but, yeah, and and Jeff Johns is great with characters that are already established. Yeah, I don't think he's great with reintroducing them to a normal audience. Yeah, well, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do with Green Lantern if it's. Like, which Green Lantern they go for? Is it going to be an Earth-based show? Is it going to be a space-based show? We don't know. Um, but, I mean, Green Lantern, that's something you can't do on a low budget. Like, it's it's yeah. going to have a cost. and um, Unless he loses his ring episode one, takes him all season to get it. <laughs> kind of like in The Inhumans, <laughs> they take the, the one character with, like, prehensile hair. hair, and they shave it <laughs> off so they don't have to worry about that anymore. Yep. Look, they they might. Um, we're also getting a, a Strange Adventures, which I thought might be about Adam Strange, but it's not. It's just it's going to be maybe like an anthology, I think, kind of situation. Who was, what was what was the team that they kept making fun of in Teen Titans? The Challengers of the Unknown. Thank you. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Uh, I would love to see the Challengers <laughs> of the Unknown come back. I mean, because they are you know they're like a, a semi featured part of the New Frontier, which is well-established as my favorite comic of all time. That's right. You have finally read. I have read. And it's amazing. You can't make fun of me anymore. Nope. I will find plenty of other things nope, to make I've fun read of it you all for. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see stuff on them. They're, like, I would love to see a modern show, uh, either animated or live action, probably more animated, in the vein of 60s Thunderbirds, but with the challenges of the unknown. Okay. Like, I would love to see that. Probably won't happen, but, you know. One could dream. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what else are we getting? Oh, I, I want to talk about this. So it's uh, it's called Grease Rydell High. Yes, we we briefly talked about this beforehand. Okay, so let me, let me read the plot, the plot description here, the, the log line. Mm-hmm. So a joyous musical series set in and around the world of Rydell High. The show reimagines the global smash hit movie with characters old and new. It's still the 1950s, a world that rocks with big musical numbers and new original songs. It's the pure pressures of high school, the hordes of puberty, and the roller coaster of life in middle America with a modern sensibility that will bring it to life for today's musical lovers. Okay. I was wrong. I th- okay. So it, it's just a show about the Grease universe. It is. Okay. okay. I, I I think I was bringing it, the mindset of the, the high school musical thing into yes. this. So this is just – it's just basically a TV show adaptation of Grease. Which, fine. Sure. Why not? And I love Everyone Grease. Everyone loves Grease. Yeah. And I recently watched Grease too, and it's actually quite spectacular. I've never seen it. It's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, so when we were talking about this before, I, I also thought it was the same because high school the the way the high school musical show is working, is it's it's a middle. So if you think of our world as one circle and the high school musical world as the other circle, uh, the show takes place kind of in the Venn di- in the in the the middle of that Venn diagram. Yeah. The overlap. it's the Human Centipede two of high yes, school musical. It, it, it's exactly that's yes, exactly a, right. A, a world where. The human centipede one exists, but also the human centipede happens. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's um, the school, and I know I've explained this already, but I'm gonna explain it again. Yeah. Could just just so I can make sure. Uh, I still wait, know can it. you remind me what platform is this gonna be on? It's gonna when, be on Disney when, Plus. When can I watch it? On uh, November twelfth, day one. Wait, what's the cost of this? It must for the low, be, low it must cost. be like twenty bucks a month. That's so amazing. Oh, but you sir are wrong. It's for the low, low cost of six ninety nine a month. What? Six ninety nine a month. Now say I I don't want to necessarily like pay month to month. Can I do like an upfront subscription and like just pay a bunch of money and get a discount on it? I don't think so anymore. I think oh, that's, that sucks. Okay, <laughs> never mind then. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. Um yeah, so it's it's the school that they filmed the first movie at East High. Um, it takes place there, but it's the school is trying to put on a production of High School Musical at their 
school. School. Yeah. yeah. But it's still a scripted show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not. It's I not, thought it was it's not documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's very much like like a kid's. It's like a teenager's The Office. Uh, sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, now, I know there's one more show that you know much more about of than I do on HBO Max. I'm curious about. So it's tuned out. Which yes. is being brought to us by Robert Zemeckis, obviously the genius behind uh, Back to the Future. And I think they kept film. referring to him as Bob Zemeckis, and I'm like, I don't like that. But some people, but people I know, do. I know they shorten Robert to Bob. Well, but also like because you hear lots of conversations about the Bobs, Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale, who did Back to the Future together, and the fact like they collectively own the rights to that franchise and okay, they won't okay. reboot or whatever. But but yeah, so it's coming. To I, us I from, never from, heard doing that from Bob Zemeckis, who did your favorite film, Who Framed Roger who Rabbit. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So what is tuned out? Uh, from what I understand, uh, from just briefly reading the description, uh, <clears throat> it is a kid. No, a person uh, can see all the the cartoon characters in his head, and it's like all the right. Looney Tunes. <clears throat> so here we go. The the log line: Executive produced by Robert Zemeckis, tuned out as a half hour hybrid live action and animated comedy. Uh, in development for HBO Max. Things get a little cartoony for Mac when he starts seeing iconic cartoon characters, but they're not just there for laughs. They're helping him through a very rough patch in his life. Okay, so this is... Uh, we have no talent attached to it. We just have the creatives attached. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this sounds... Isn't that like a whole thing with, like, Lizzie McGuire? Doesn't she see, like, an animated version of herself? No, That's you, like an inner you monologue. see... Yeah, her, her conscience is an animated version of herself. Okay. Okay, yeah. So isn't there I feel like there's something else that does this. Yes, idea. I've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, Out of Jimmy's Head. Oh, okay, yeah. It was yeah, a show yeah, that it. ran from like late two thousands to early twenty twenty tens, where it was a kid is implanted, has a brain transplant with their version of Walt Disney that's and right. can now see all the characters in the real world. That's right. I mean it's a good idea. Yeah. And I, I imagine that this will draw from the I would think probably draw from the existing IP. I feel like they, uh, they, totally they did it. mention Looney Tunes is going to be in there. Okay. And there's also and a like Looney Tunes Hanna- project on HBO max too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think they said Hanna-Barbera is going to be in there. The there's two also a Hanna-Barbera project owns, on yeah. there too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They would draw from that staple, which, you know, that's, that's interesting and exciting to me what they could possibly do with it. Who would you want uh, to be the, the lead? Batman. Well, I mean the live action lead. Batman. Kevin Conroy. Yes. Okay. Yep. Or Robert Pattinson. Both. Okay. Yeah. It's in a multiverse situation here. Mm-hmm. I kind of... I, I, I want a, a version where we have uh, young... What's the character's name? Young Mac, played by Robert Pattinson as he's first dealing with this, and another version played by Kevin Conroy when he's much older, when he's like, come to deal with it, and still frustrated by the fact these cartoons are always I, around. I, I bet... Yeah, they, they have a similar body type. We could get I, a Kevin I, Conroy yeah, to I, be an older Robert Pattinson. I'm so on board. Yeah. All right. If you're if you're listening, Warner Brothers, which I <laughs> sure should hope you're not, frankly. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Please do that. Make that happen. Um, I kind of want to give... I know he's not in in the best shape anymore. He still looks great, though. I want to give Brendan Fraser another chance at this. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we love Brendan Fraser. Yeah. The more Brendan Fraser, the better. Because the... Uh, what was that Looney Tunes? Back in action. Back in action. Doesn't get a lot of recognition. And I think... Because like it wasn't very good. It wasn't. Yeah. It was not. It's very... Uh, when was the last time you watched it? I think I watched it once <clears throat> when it came out. Okay, watch it now because it's very Hollywood. And I'm always curious to go back to a lot of that stuff now that now that we're, we live in the town and are part of the biz. Yeah. Gotta hate the us. The biz. I hate us so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the industry. Yes. Hate it. I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh... 
I do kind of want to go back and revisit it. All right, uh, let's try and wrap up some news here. Actually, get to the meat of it. But a couple trailers I want to talk about, which okay. neither of you watched, but I want to talk about them. Speed through them. New Jumanji trailer. I heard it was good. It is good. I warned you not to watch it. I'm warning everyone else if you haven't seen it yet, don't in fact watch it because there's a couple really great jokes that I think are spoils in the trailer that I would have loved to have experienced in person in the like actually watching the movie. Mm-hmm. But continues to look great. I'm still absolutely here for Kevin Hart's Jenny Glover impression. Yep. It's, it it just it tickles me every time I watch it. Absolutely cannot wait for that movie. Uh, the other one is Code Eight. So this is a movie from uh, Stephen and Robbie Amell, who obviously Stephen are is the Shirtless Brothers, the Shirtless, uh, the Shirtless Cousins, the Shirtless Cousins. Excuse let's, me. Let's be specific. Uh, Stephen Amell obviously is Arrow on Arrow, and Robbie Amell played uh, Firestorm. Yes. Yeah, on Flash for a bit, but <clears throat> they put out a a short a few years ago, uh, also called Code Eight, to try and basically raise money for it, and eventually made it into a full feature. But the idea is that this is a world where like. One percent of the population has powers, and they're like kind of a, a you know a, a, a lower class of society or repressed class, and you know kind of typical plot points. Rami Amel's character, like his mom, is super sick, needs to raise money, so he basically gets in league with uh, another powered criminal played by Stephen Amel, and like things kind of go from there. But one of the cool things in the trailer that's still in this movie is the police force use these almost like Chappie esque um, like robot cops. That are like I think like live at, live actors and they replace their head with um, kind of like a, a mechanical looking robot thing. But okay, I'd like the the short I watched a few years ago is pretty good. The trailer looks good too. So um, that trailer I I'll put it in the show notes. Go check it out. But uh, no, it looks good. And obviously those are two like seem to be pretty stand up guys. Nothing I've ever heard about like them in person and the their kind of work ethic on their shows and stuff. And the fact they got this greenlit and and made is good. You know it's yeah. always good to support original uh, content from really passionate people. So. Go check that out. Yeah, uh, I feel like there was a there was a movie two years ago. There was it was a young black kid who everyone thought had superpowers. Uh, he was like really good at magic. Oh, and he was he joined a gang to, to kind of get money for his sick mom. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called though. <clears throat> yeah, it was bad. I remember that. Okay, uh, and I remember like the twist. It's a weird, very gross twist where he wasn't. He didn't have powers. He like uh, installed a magnet in his arm. Like cut his arm open and put a giant magnet in there and sewed his arm back up so he can always like push and pull things with his hand. It was very dumb. Well, that's a really great segue into how electrical powers don't work in Static Shock. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was one of my first. Got to get up. Gotta go. Yeah, sorry. I mean, look, I, I was also super excited to start watching these again, because um, I haven't watched them since they aired, and I, I don't think I saw all of it when it was on. I think I saw okay. a lot of it, but I, I don't remember quite as well. I haven't revisited it in the same way that I have Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so it was it was super fun to get back into it. But yeah, so we're we're starting off with uh, shock to our system. Now, I also. You have some notes on Milestone Comics. I have some notes on the development of the show. Do you want to do those first and then talk uh, about those shows? Let's, uh, let's save it for the end. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, first episode, uh, shock to your system here. I I forgot that this whole series kind of, like, started with him already in the costume. And then we got all the explanation in flashback. Yep. Because I was surprised. I thought it was going to dive straight into the, the kind of traditional um, origin story that we've seen from, like, say, Batman Beyond or Superman. 
uh, or even Zeta, but like, no, it just starts out with him already in the full costume, like zapping I people mean, about in a three, warehouse. It's for like three minutes. You see yeah. him in the costume. He's like, I bet you're wondering how I got these powers. Let me take you back two days. Two days? Two days. Two days. In two days, all of a sudden, he has a full-on costume. He completely He's done more in powers. two days than Zeta did in two seasons. Let's not kick that <laughs> dead horse at this point. But yeah. Um, but look, I, I appreciated the kind of the, the efficiency of this episode, which, mm-hmm. you know, that seems like a really weird thing to focus on. But it's good storytelling. Like, we jump in immediately. We get a sense that he's a superhero. He has electrical powers. We kind of get the tone really quickly, and then we flash back, and, you know, we establish his whole family. So he lives with his dad and his sister. Who Can we say uh, Mr. Hawkins' best dad and best oh, parent yeah. in all of the DC universe? I mean, it's a pretty Maybe shallow... Maybe like any cartoon. Yeah, it's a very shallow pool to draw from, to be perfectly honest. As we've, you know, established nothing but terrible parents in all of the DCAU. Mm-hmm. Wait, didn't we have, like, one good-ish parent... Um, I feel like from Zeta, we had like a decent parent. Oh, yeah, we did. And I don't remember who it is anymore. I mean, doesn't matter. We don't have to get into it. But yeah. yeah. No, uh, Virgil's dad, Mr. Hawkins, obviously. Easily the best, the best parent. Um, but yeah, so we, we see the dynamic between the two of them. We establish that his, um, his mom has passed away. We kind of get a sense of Virgil's like wit and his offbeat charm. And he's like... I mean, can, we, can we say he's, he's Black Spider-Man? He is. Yeah. No, I mean, he totally is, but I think... I don't know if you had that in your notes, but that that was... Um, oh, what, what's his name? The Mac... Mac not McAfee. Dre McDuffie? McDuffie, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was his inspiration of this, is he oh, really? wanted to make his own Spider-Man. And that's why like, he's so quippy and, and like really smart with his, his kind of character dialogue. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a very similar backstory... Yeah. I mean, Pretty not very much. similar. He's not, he's not bitten by something. But no, but yeah, I mean, it's like... But a, radiation gives yeah, him like, powers. Yeah, uh, and... like a normal kid, um, you know, uh, lost a parent figure in the past, in his recent past, to gun violence. Um, and he, yeah, basically has an accident that gives him superpowers. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I think also in the future, they, they say, uh, if I remember correctly... His dad also works for the homeless shelter. No, he works at the, the, the children's shelter. Uh, yeah, he, his dad is a social worker. Yes. Much like Aunt May. Is she a social worker? It, they they might have rewritten it for more recently, but recently okay. she is. Okay, yeah. I, I forget. I don't even know what Aunt May does. I don't think she does anything. In, oh, no, well, in, oh, obviously in um, Far From Home, she's like trying to help the, the blipped people get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. But, and yeah. then in, um, in the game, she is like, uh, not the head, but she spends a lot of her time helping at the homeless center. Okay, <clears throat> that makes sense for mm-hmm. Aunt May. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. I will say that I think one thing they were smart about, that Dwayne McDuffie was smart about when he approached this character was he makes him a little bit more ground and relatable than, than Peter, who is still like a genius, an inventor, a photographer, and like somehow magically gets all the babes all the time. Yeah. They just gave that to Richie instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I liked they made him a bit more of just like a normal kid. Like mm-hmm. he's he's neither like super brilliant nor dumb he's just like he's a normal kid who you know like works hard and is kind of confused by his age and high school and all the those social dynamics and he has these powers on top of it like at the end of the day i think part of the reason the show is so successful it's a really great relatable character yeah to everybody absolutely yeah and it's they did a really fantastic um job with him but i i love that he he looks like a teenager but everyone else looks like they're 30 yeah 
Like, I love that even in this cartoon, the the bully, Francis, a.k.a. F-Stop, mm-hmm. who I'm just going to continue to refer to as uh, Flammy Mark McGrath. Okay, because I see him, like, I feel like they they found a screenshot of, um, f- oh, who's the, uh, Joe Mon... Oh, Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello from Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1 and just gave him red hair. It's not far off. Because that like, is, it's very close. What high schooler has, it's not even a goatee. What's that called? Like the, soul patch. The, what high schooler has a soul patch? A lot, actually. Really? Yeah. I know in my school we weren't allowed to grow facial hair, but there was one kid in my grade who whenever we had like a, like a, uh, a break, he would try and grow his hair as fast as he could just for like the one day goatee. And I go to the the one day soul patch. Like I could not, I still can barely grow a beard. I could definitely not grow one in high school. Yeah. Well, come to the South. (laughs) Fair enough. Testosterone is greater down there. Yeah. But yeah, I love that that character just looks like he's 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then, um, Ebon, what's his other name? Um, Richie Frieda, Wade. Oh right, the the gang the, uh, yeah the other gang leader yeah uh, yeah Wade also looks like <laughs> like a forty year old uh, Biggie yeah I mean I, I love that they brought in that trope from every high school movie ever or TV show that everyone looks way above their age yeah because so even Static is supposed to be fourteen mm-hmm. he looks a little older than fourteen eh, we'll give it to him yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we meet Virgil, uh, we meet Richie, the best friend, mm-hmm. and Frida, the love interest, uh, who's the super popular girl. She doesn't stay long, I don't think, because we get Trixie in soon. I don't remember. I, I'm basically rediscovering all this. Yeah, Trix, the Trixie's the better girl. Trixie's best girl, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then uh, we meet Wade, who wants Virgil to join his gang. Uh, and this is what I love about this show, is it's such a time capsule it's the first show that references real things. In what sense? Or at least in the DC universe. So uh, when Richie and, and uh, Verge are walking down the street, they're talking about F-Stop. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's Norman Bates. Uh, oh, yeah. Norman uh, Bates meets Mr. Rogers? Yeah. And he, he wants... No, whatever. Yeah. Less, no, he, he makes less Mr. Norman, Rogers look, look... No. Norman Bates knows. look like Mr. That's, Rogers. That's the one, yeah. Man, he makes, bungled that hard. <laughs> we got it. Um, yeah, we're like, they do that. They have a Britney Spears reference in the next episode. Uh, they're like, it's such a time capsule of the two thousands. I mean, Francis is the most time capsule character of them all. His character design <clears throat> is flawless. He's got the soul patch. He's got like the already flaming looking red hair before he develops flame powers. The, the underwear coming out of the pants. Yeah. Like he somehow, his pants are cinched tight but yet super baggy enough to like let his underwear come yeah. through like and i the, feel like that was the look of warner brothers back in the day like wb yeah. cartoons every character had that exact look yeah well and, and I, I love it that's something that it really this is the first time that a dcau show and it's worth noting that when this show started it wasn't necessarily intended to be part of the dcau it became it down the line but this is the first one that was actually trying to feel contemporary obviously uh, Batman had this ambiguous timeline, like this timetable of it being like old tech, but new tech, whatever. And then Superman had a deliberate, like slightly future skewing aesthetic to it. And obviously Batman in the future and Zayd in the future. Mm-hmm. So this is the first one that's going like, Hey, we're actually of now. Yeah. Cause I don't think Bruce Tim 
or Paul Dini had anything to do with the show. No, so uh, Alan Burnett, who was obviously a, a holdover from... Yeah, I, when I saw Ross. his name on this episode, I had like this sigh of relief. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're Yeah, back. I mean, basically a lot of the, the creatives went from working on uh, Batman and Superman and um, Batman Beyond towards this. And mm-hmm. I think Dini and Bruce Timm might have been developing Justice League at this time rather than working on this. Um, but it, so one of the things that's interesting about this is so that well, we'll get into this a little bit right now, but the comic was created by, uh, Dennis Cohen and Dwayne McDuffie. And obviously mm-hmm. Dwayne McDuffie is the name that's like really heavily attached to this. And not only did this help like expand his, uh, comics career, but working on this then launched him into the animation space. So then he was able to work on justice league and teen Titans, Justice League Unlimited, And he was one of the big driving forces in terms of bringing more diversity into those shows yeah like i think my what i read up on was that he was one of the people that really pushed to have it be john stewart green lantern and really wanted to have it be hawk girl rather than hawkman to like bring more of that into the show mm-hmm. and Wait, I mean, that, that was the whole point of his company too yeah milestone comics right mm-hmm. yeah uh I'll, I'll just read this now because it's a cool paragraph yeah um <clears throat> and i think it, it connects a lot to what you have been trying to say with with kind of the the push for more like uh, LGBT representation. Yeah. So the, taking that this was written in, you know, 1989, I think it says a lot. 89? Uh, yeah, that's when he he started working for Marvel and left Marvel because he wasn't happy with how they were writing black characters. Yeah. He even wrote a parody, which uh, we cannot say on the air or really say ever. Okay. <laughs> uh, but while he was creating Milestone Media, he basically described it as, uh, if you do a black character or a female character or an Asian character, they aren't just that character. They represent that race or that sex, uh, and they can't be interesting because, uh, hold on, and they can't be interesting because everything they do has to represent that entire block of people. You know, Superman isn't all white people, and neither is Lex Luthor. Uh, we knew we had to do a press. We had we knew we had to present a range of characters within each ethnic group, uh, which means that we couldn't just do one book. We need to have a series of books. And we had to present a view of the world that's wider than the world we've seen before. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, that's fucking awesome. No, that's that's exactly that's like what we were talking about recently. The idea that you have to write the characters to the truth of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think maybe that's one space where at least initially this show misstepped a little bit. Uh, so basically, by coincidence, when I sat down to watch these. Uh, our friend and former guest CJ mm-hmm. came over to watch it with me. I was going to say, I would, I would love for CJ to come. Yeah. So, so it was fun this. watching it with him. Um, cause so CJ's black. And so obviously we are two <clears throat> white guys talking about a show that's was at the time, especially actively trying to bring diversity into cartoons, which is hugely important. Like this was the first, uh, African American led superhero show. Yeah. Which is amazing that it, it helped break those grounds. But it was funny because as we're watching it, CJ's kind of like, Hmm. Hmm. And his his overall thesis was, I get what they're doing. Yeah. But this was definitely written by white people. Yes. Yeah. And if you look at the credits on it, it absolutely was. And I think that's maybe something they improved down the line. But this it, that fits with, I think the the proper intent of a lot of these creatives was to bring diversity, and they were trying to put it on screen, but they didn't necessarily have it behind the scenes too. I think that's where it falls short. I think that's at least where now that dynamic is shifting a little bit. And that's why I think things like 
um, you know, like Black Panther, for example, were so successful because it had that sort of ring of authenticity to mm. it because the creatives had the perspective too. Booksmart. Booksmart, yeah. An entire female crew. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're seeing that now, which is good. I think back when this show was made in the 2000s, it wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think it's a little bit flawed in its execution in terms of how it, it brings that in. So I like that this show actually addresses gangs. Yeah. I like that it actually I mean, addresses... That, that's a huge point of the show. Yeah. Is you have the, the bang baby, and they, I guess they called them gang babies before they were the bang babies. Yeah, but you know, like... Virgil talks about like, oh, like that guy's like part of the gangbangers and stuff. And I even asked CJ, like, does anyone ever say gangbangers ever? He's like, no. that, that was supposed to be the name of their group. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was also confused by that. And then I read somewhere that, that was the name of the group. Yeah. Okay. But like one of the things I love is CJ watched it and he goes, huh, I don't think I've ever seen a comic book character wear a do-rag before or a cartoon character. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it's right, actually. So like it was, it was attempting to be authentic, I think, to some degree, but it just didn't, didn't quite quite nail it necessarily Mm -hmm. but i mean that being said i think that that sequence where you know so virgil's getting beat up by francis and wade steps in to save him and basically like forces him to join the gang and then they go to have a i was gonna call it a rumble clip and watching (laughs) (laughs) i'm watching the outsiders a little bit too much yeah watching too much grease having a hoedown but they're basically gonna go have a fight and uh wade gives virgil a gun and at this point, we've learned too that his mom was killed by. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize they they threw that in so early. Yeah, because they mentioned that she's dead, and then uh, Richie specifically tells him like, "Your mom was killed by gang violence." Mm-hmm. Like, really, you're gonna go join a gang? And I, for me, that scene was really incredible when he gets the gun. Like, he opened the. Un- yeah, I. Yeah, that opens that's up the rag, big... and and it's he's holding it, and he like freaks out, and he throws it into the river. Like, it's, it's a really pretty impactful moment, and you know. Up to this point, the DCAU, obviously there's lots of um, shootouts happening in, in BTOS, and they're always able to kind of dodge it. But it's, it's a show that never really addressed the seriousness of guns yeah. in any sort of way. And I think then Superman started to veer towards everything being lasers, same with Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a trend in comics for a long time after that, was that they never actually had real guns. I like they had that in here. Yeah. And, and another thing with with Richie with uh, with uh, Virgil is I was going to bring this up in the next episode. He has no combat experience. Yeah. So we can't have a character coming in like dodge bullets. No. So like every everything he's in is a real life or death situation. Yeah, he's having to figure it all out on his own. He he doesn't have a superhero mentor. He hasn't spent his entire life training for this. He doesn't have, you know powers of invincibility like other characters we've mm-hmm. seen he's just he's not, just, he's not naturally gifted like terry exactly yeah that's <laughs> something they never really addressed very well <laughs> in that one um didn't they say he was like a gymnast at one point i feel like they made made some reference to it yeah yeah sure I, it, it was always, it was always a little bit weird um but you know i mean so they they go to this fight and then obviously like the 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 gas what's it there's like the gas is a name doesn't it uh i don't think they give it a name yet okay but this gas gets released that starts causing characters to mutate. And when that happens, that was actually kind of intense. Like there's that one character whose face is literally melting. Yeah. Um, and later on when they're hospital, his characters are like growing tentacle arms and stuff. And I love, I love was the news reporters. Like for some of these young like people, their road recovery would be like long and challenging. And in the background is a guy with mutagen. Ocu- That's what it's called. Mutagen. Yeah. yeah. There's a guy with like octopus arms flailing. Like, yeah, he's going to have a hard time getting adjusted to this. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so now, like, 
basically characters are going to have superpowers. It's uh, the the Big Bang is what it's referred to. Yeah. Do you, do you know the difference in the comics? Did you uh, look that up? Not really. Uh, so the way it worked in the comics is same setup. Virgil goes to this this gang battle, um, but instead of it being mutagen that affects everyone, uh, the police had developed this unique serum, which was which was supposed to tag everyone uh, oh. at the things. They could find them after they all ran away. Yeah. Uh, but something was wrong in the effect, and it basically ki- there were like five hundred people there, and it killed everyone and the people that survived there were 50 people that survived uh and they all came out with powers that's intense yeah it's really intense i mean i i can see why they changed it but i like that version actually because it has a little more social commentary on it than just it's just some random gas yeah because they they did change a few things i I did look up some of the changes because uh so like one is uh the characters are a little bit younger in the cartoon than they are in the comic because they were skewing for like a preteen audience. Um, this is something I think we've referenced before, but in the comics, Richie is gay and I think he actually comes out at a certain point. Um, I th- think that there are allusions to it over the course of the series from what I've read and from that great video uh, Maddie did with Watchtower Database about LGBT representation in the DCAU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that part of it's toned down in the comics, the mom is still alive. Oh, she's dead. Yeah, she's dead here. And I guess Dwayne McDuffie initially was irked by that because he wanted to break the stereotype of minority families never having a nuclear family. Like mm-hmm. the idea that like if you're African American, you don't have a normal nuclear family. So he wanted that in the comic. And he's said since then, like he sees the the potential for storytelling that came out of having. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one mom one died. of my favorite episodes is when uh, Virgil gets to see his mom again. Yeah. And, like, that that has hit me, you know, since I saw it back in 2003. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it was a smart choice in their part because it, it gives them a little bit of tragic backstory, which is helpful. But, yeah, it opens up it, it opens up a lot of really interesting commentary in mm-hmm. a way that I don't think works quite as well when they're both around. Um, but I think some of those changes, like, make a lot of sense going into this. Yeah. Um, I guess his powers are a little bit different, too, and um, there are fewer guns in this than there would be in the comics. But that, yeah. that makes sense that... Dre McDuffie was really trying to make a commentary with those um, original comics and that they would change it slightly to make it a little more broad. Excuse me for the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, then he, he wakes up in his room and I don't think it's ever explained how he gets home. No, it never that's is. Not important. Whatever. Uh, CJ had a great comment. He, uh, he said that, you know, when Virgil grabs the, the razor and all of a sudden it starts like operating on its own. And he says like, Oh my God, it's possessed. CJ's like, Oh, that's very, very authentic. Like if, <laughs> if you come like very religious background, your first thought will be it's possessed. Not that you have some sort of weird static powers. Yeah. I, I love that. He had that comment <laughs> on it, but yeah. So the, Virgil like takes this very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like he instantly discovers all of his powers and how they all work perfectly. Yeah. Well, he, he does discover a few things throughout the next three seasons. Uh, but yeah, he pretty much has everything yeah. under control immediately. Okay. I wanted to say this. We're going to say this up front, and then I'm going to try not to harp on it for the whole rest of the show. All right. This is not how electric powers work. I know, because this is not electric powers. Then what is it? It's static electric powers. I don't know. I don't get it either. Yeah, like, uh, if you actually were able to generate electricity, say we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of how that works, but say just your powers is the manipulation of electric energy. 
Uh, that does not mean you have the power of magnetism. It does not mean you have the power of telekinesis. It does not mean that you can listen to CDs by holding them up to your ear. Hold on, hold on, hold on. CDs, Don't take that away from no, me. I'm sorry. CDs work off lasers, not off electricity. Don't take... Because I thought that was so cool as a kid. So dumb. I thought that so, was so cool as a kid so watching that. So fucking dumb. Um, <clears throat> that's not how any of these powers work, but we're just going to go with it. and say, mm-hmm. Okay, in this version... They're not quite electrical powers. Maybe he has like. Well, I think he also has like magnetism. Like magnetism is like a subsection of his powers. Yeah. Okay. I think it has something to do. He probably has like the manipulation of like maybe electrical fields or something like that, and that's what allows him to. Yes. Have. Magnetism. I think that's closer to it. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. But it's cool, Chris. It looks cool. Get over it. Okay. Fine. I'll I'll I'll, I'll get over it. Here's here's what he does. Every time he's going to move a metal object, uh, he goes over and he he wraps the metal object in wire, mm-hmm. and then he runs electricity through it, and now all of a sudden it's magnetized. Yeah, so what you don't see are very tiny microscopic wires that mm-hmm. he has everything connected to in his hand. That's how he, that's how he that's does how it. That's how he does it. Okay. Yeah. All right. My rant is over. Yeah. For now. Also wrapped around a sewage pipe underground. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So I'll, hey, I'll, hey. It's a great ending. I'll move on from there. Um, where do his costumes come from? Halloween. Really? Yeah. Do you not save your Halloween costumes? I mean, yeah, I have a whole closet full of cosplay. Yeah. And why wouldn't he? So he went as Black <laughs> Vulcan at one point? Yes. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name. I thought it was uh, an earlier version of Black Vulcan. I had to look it up. It's Black Vulcan. Yeah. But I, I, that was a fun nod. But yeah, he, he just pulls out of his closet. There's like, what, a, a 30-second long costume. You know what? Here, here's my guess. Here, here's For those first three. Because it's, it's very, like, it's, it's spandex, 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 like, jacket, go- like, <laughs> it's such yeah. a shift for number four. It's such four. a huge shift. Because, uh, like, they did the same joke in Supergirl. But at least with that, it's kind of like they were kind of similar enough mm-hmm. uh, with this. I feel like it wasn't his closet. It was his sister's closet. I'm so important now. Mm-hmm. And she had that weird like electric symbol shirt. Yeah, like that, that was some Halloween costume she had. I mean, it's a it's a super quick way to like burn through that really fast. And it does make more sense than how uh, Peter Parker sews together that Spider-Man costume. Yeah, in sense. one night. It makes no goddamn sense. Well, because a spider could do it. Why can't he? That's true. It's just spun web from his butt. Yeah. Spun mm-hmm. together. Yep. Yeah, so dumb. Uh, okay, so I, I'll buy that, that his costume is his sister's clothes. Yeah, and then, then, then so what we don't see is they do the three costumes in his sister's room. She comes in, busts them, and they go into his closet, and that's why it's so vastly different than the other ones. Right. All right. I'm on board. You've convinced me. <clears throat> Uh, okay, he's got his costume. Uh, so he gets in like, what? There's like a, a brief fight with a bang baby, right? And then he shows up at the school later to help decorate. No, it's not a bang baby. It's uh, three guys just robbing a warehouse. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. But then he he goes while he's there, he discovers that the new computers for the high school are amongst the items that are shipped, and rather than have them just get delivered the normal route, he takes them. Yeah. And delivers them to the gymnasium where uh-huh. they're decorating for the dance, not yep. the computer lab where they're supposed to go. Yep. And then he shows off his powers and introduces himself to everyone. And as static, he as uses the right static, name. Uh, and he like flirts up Frida a little bit. Yep. Why? Why not? Touche. Mm-hmm. 
Because you remember when you're that age, you do something, you want to tell someone about it. What do you mean that age? I still do that. Yeah, exactly. All the time. Uh, he, he needed to tell someone about it. He, know, he knew Richie was going to be at the gym. He saw this thing. He's like, well, I mean, I guess I can just show off and then I can lift this like weird server that the computers are getting. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the school is getting. Uh, oh, and also, I can show off to Frida that I have these powers because that's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. What do you mean, why? Okay, fine. I forgot what it's like to be a child. Yeah. Uh, and then what, like, the... I feel like the, the kind of button on the end of this here is the reveal that Francis now has flame powers, right? Yeah, I was going to say it's a pretty anticlimactic ending for a kid's show. Well, what's kind of interesting is that I feel like this show basically split its pilot into the first two episodes. Yeah. like, But without having them be an actual two-parter in the mm -hmm. same way that uh, Batman Beyond was or uh, even Superman was a three-parter. Like, because this episode establishes where his powers came from, like, where he gets his costume from, the family dynamics, just the overall world. Mm -hmm. And then it's the second episode that dives into, like, who the Bang Babies are and starts to establish the fact that all these other kids are mutated. Yeah. And from this point on, it's it's kind of going to be a villain of the week kind of show. Yeah. Um, but But with what we said last week, we're like... First episode, last episode, we're going to get world building. Yeah. And the middle is all just going to be kind of fluff, but a little more meaningful fluff. Yeah. Um, should we move on to the second episode then? Let's do it. Aftershock. Right. Yeah. So like we said, in Aftershock, now this establishes that the, the event is referred to as the Big Bang. And it, it picks up immediately from the first episode. Yeah. So he's watching a news report of the crime he stopped the night before. Yes, exactly. And so the, the town is now talking. Like, within... What two days? The fact that these bang babies exist like really seeps into the town. Like, yeah. Pretty... What? How? How would you react if L.A. suddenly had superpowered people? I mean, I wouldn't hear about it until the weekend when I actually am able to to bring my head out of the sand. Mm -hmm. No, you'd have someone come into the office. Some with powers. Yeah. Everyone like run to the atrium. Oh, so check out the guy with powers. Someone would want to sign that person. I mean, it's different in LA because we would like welcome that so fast. That's absolutely true. It'd be the new hot thing. We gotta mm -hmm. we gotta get him as quick as we can. Well, it'd be like Beast Boy in in Young Justice, where they oh, give him his own true. show. They give him his own show, just yeah. so he can transform. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, yeah, that but would happen. So I'm surprised that's not more of a. I feel like that'd be a great joke for a bunch of these superhero shows, where it's like an agent shows up one day and just tries to hire him. Yeah. It's like, look, we have these seven scripts ready for you. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be the star in all of them. We're going to save a killing on special effects. Because, I mean, like, some stuff kind of alludes to that a little bit. Like, uh, remember the movie Mystery Men mm -mm. from the late 90s? Um, it's, I think it's also based off of a comic. But it's, it's a superhero satire at a point when superhero movies weren't, like, really out there yet. Mm -hmm. But the, the main character, he's like, uh, like Captain Awesome or something like that. Uh, played by Greg Kinnear, is like the Superman archetype. He's a lot like um, uh, who's the the major hero in The Boys? What's his name again? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, he, I know. He fits that archetype, about. but his costume is major glory. We'll give him. Yeah, it's kind of like that. His costume is literally covered in like sponsorships and stuff like that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but like the whole town's like going all about this. The point where Richie's dad, not Richie's dad, Virgil's dad, is out there like at City Hall demanding the mayor like. You need to do something about these bang babies. Well, yeah. They're causing problems everywhere. I would everywhere. be freaked out. Well, we'll change it to, to Dallas. If someone, if people in Dallas started getting superpowers, I would freak out. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit mean here, but I don't think we need to give people in Texas superpowers, do we? No. Yeah. 
<laughs> Certainly not. Is this in Detroit? Uh, they it's, they it's, say it's, a city. It's like a stand in for Detroit. Okay. It's Dakota City, but it's that's that's right, Dakota City. Yeah. I mean, look. To be fair, I wouldn't want to give people in LA superpowers. No, we would be insufferable. Mm-hmm. Traffic stops if there's a crash, like on the on the side of the road. Yeah. If someone gets pulled over by a cop, traffic stops. Yeah. Well, everyone here is so desperate for attention. Could you imagine if they had like powers to really show themselves off? Mm-hmm. Oh God. What well, what awful. late night do you think they'd go to first? What late night? Yeah. Fallon. That, that's a Fallon. That, 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 that's a, I think it's a Fallon bit. Oh, I bet that's a Kimmel bit. I think he would try and get them as fast as he could. Yeah. Fallon. He's, he's a little more desperate mm-hmm. than the rest. Yeah. Then they go to Conan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conan would actually know what to do with him. Yeah. Fallon would just like, I don't know. Let's play a game. Their hair and get burned. <laughs> not, yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone's like, free. we have all these foods in front of you that are very gross. I don't know. That, that's Corden. Never mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, so all the town is like freaking out about it. Um, because, yeah, there's like people with superpowers now, including Francis, who now goes by Hot Streak. Hot Streak. God, the most 2000s character ever. I do want I do want to start a new segment of our show okay. of best quip every week. All right. Did, uh, did you write it down? For the, I, I didn't, did. What was it? Uh, Newton's laws are catching up to you, Hot Streak, or should I call you Burnout? Oh, got him. It's a sick burn. It's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we quickly figure out that there's like a cover-up, basically, that the mayor is in cahoots with uh, this guy, Edwin Alva, who's mm-hmm. some big Who mogul, they say tycoon. Uh, makes Bill Gates look poor. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. But yet he still drives himself around and like has just little casual conversations with some random city's mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you happen to catch who voices the mayor? Did I it sound not. familiar to you at all? I wrote down every other voice. I did not write down hers. Uh, voiced by the great CCH Pounder, who was the voice of Amanda Waller in Justice League. Amazing. In Justice League Unlimited. I was like, why do I know this voice? That's the why. Because I, I, I couldn't place um, Francis's voice. Who is it, Francis again? <clears throat> uh, so I wrote it down. His The actor's name is uh, Danny Cooksey. So he does Hot Streak Francis. Also, so he, he's a bunch of kids show characters so his first big role in my opinion was stoop kid from hey arnold oh stoop kid uh he was basically every side character in invader zim okay he was jack spicer from jalen showdown the main villain uh skeets uh who's one of the the bullies in recess uh dave the barbarian in the show dave the barbarian (laughs) And and a bunch of other minor characters uh looking at this here oh uh Danica McKellar voices Frida, the voice of Miss Martian. Yeah, yeah, I wrote oh, that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kevin Michael Richardson, and, okay, Jason yeah. Marsden. Let's, yeah, take a moment. We haven't even acknowledged the fact that you have Philomar Aesthetic, like the voice acting legend Philomar mm-hmm. voicing Static. And then, of course, along with him, Jason Marsden, who pops up in everything and is incredible as yes. Richie. And then Kevin Michael Richardson as <laughs> The Dad. voice acting weasel that he is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that really does go to show what era this was made in. Like those are three absolute legends of voice acting and they're still prominently featured. Well, I wouldn't, I think at the time I wouldn't consider James or uh, Phil Lamar to be like a big name yet. You think this was one of the things that like really helps? Well, cause I think before this, I think it was just Pulp Fiction. Well, in Mad TV. Yeah. Yeah. And Mad TV. Yeah. Uh, but for voice talent, I think this was kind of his first big thing. Cause it was this, then it was John Stewart. Yeah. And then it was Jack. Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack. 
uh, and then he exploded. Futurama. Yeah, Hermes. Oh, God. Hermes. Conrad. I guess Hermes would have been before. Hermes was 2001. Not, yeah, okay, yeah. So that would have been first. Yeah. Oh, Hermes Conrad, great character. Amazing character. I fucking love that show so much. Um, but yeah, so we we now have the whole, like this, this bigger plot going on that Edwin Alva was responsible for the gas. I don't, they didn't really explain why he had that out there. They will later. Okay. Because there's a really cool episode that involves bubble wrap. Cannot wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. Oh, man. I forgot how dumb that episode is. Yeah. It's but so, so there, good. There's like a cover-up. The mayor is in on it. And then uh, Static is trying to get the evidence. And he is able to get it from some facility, one of Edwin's facilities. Yeah. Basically. It's like Alva Industries. Yeah. I thought this was kind of interesting. So he's there, and he gets trapped inside of a, a container. Who's he fighting with? Just generic henchmen. Generic henchmen. He gets trapped inside of a container, and he realizes that if he electrifies the gas, it'll increase the pressure and break the chamber. Yeah. What? Is there a scientific problem there? Uh, I would imagine that it would probably destroy him before it would break the glass. Yeah, but what if he made, like, electric earmuffs? Like, not just his ears. Like, it would probably, like, (laughs) squeeze his body. Also, if you electrify things... I guess you would have, uh, I don't know. It's been too long since I did any of the sciences. Yeah. I know. I mean, I've, well, no. Well, okay. Because the ideal gas laws, PV equals NRT. So if you, I, I, get, uh, I guess if he technically increased the temperature of the gas as a result of electrifying it. Yeah. But even then, the heat produced from electricity is caused by resistance in wires, not by the actual electricity itself. I don't know. He gets out. I have just enough like engineering and science knowledge. This is gonna bother like, you. <laughs> left over to know that this stuff is crap, but not enough to know what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's a very frustrating state to be in. Because I thought it was smart, and I mean, I'm like, oh, just like Spider Man. Okay, wait. Science and but wit. Did you feel like we maybe needed a moment of him in like a science class or something like that to have learned, like to have seen that he learned that lesson somewhere and then applied it, or were you okay with the fact that he just knew that off the top? Of well, head? I mean, they we already sh- we already saw him in the science lab looking at on the microscope, looking at his blood compared to Richie. Was that was that before or after this? Uh, that was before this. Okay. Because um, uh, stat or Virgil is worried. Because his dad made a comment of <clears throat> static is good now, but who knows what kind of effects, long-term effects, the Big Bang is going to have on these yeah. Bang Babies. Oh, yeah. So there's that great sequence where he goes to the doctor. Yeah. And he's like, run all the tests on me. It's like, I'm going through some changes. Yeah. He's like, what kind of changes? And the doctor assumes that he's just out there just like banging people left and right. Yeah. It's just puberty. Yeah. That Richie is just, not Richie. I keep saying Richie. Me that, too. That Virgil is Virgil. just like ridiculously sexually promiscuous. Yeah. And out there banging his wang through the whole city. He is killing it. Yep. He's slaying left and right. Uh, I mean, that's that was kind of a funny sequence. Uh, I also loved later when uh, Francis was throwing flaming hot dogs. I loved that. That I thought that was so good. So, so That's dumb. why they call them hot dogs. Uh, I literally have- I no- fucking love the writing on this show. Is that your, your other pun? That's my other clip, yeah. Your other clip of the week? Uh, I just have a note in here that's just the pants. I'm really obsessed with, Fran- so good. with Francis's pants. They're like, so they're good. They're so ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> pants shouldn't work that way. But, that do- but they do. He also tucks his shirt into his underwear. Remember that. 
Oh my god, that's right, he does. I mean, mm-hmm. that T-shirt is very, very tight. Oh yeah, because every shirt in the ninety in the two thousands was so tight, so tight. Uh, he, but <laughs> I love that uh, Francis gets his Biff Tannen moment. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know? What yes, I, mean? I know who Biff Tannen is. Do you know from Back to the Future? Okay, where the shit, yeah, the shit, yeah, he gets covered in manure. Yeah, because Francis gets a sewer pipe dumped on him. Yeah, just, just really. Just really unsafe. Yeah. We also uh, learned that everyone has kind of weaknesses now. So Francis can't touch water. We did. Do we get that? Well, you see the, the firemen kind of put him out. Oh, okay. With water. Oh, and like, oh yeah. And Francis lures static to a place where there's no metal. Anywhere. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so like we also learned in this that Francis isn't dumb. Like he's not, he's not just a dumb bully. Yeah. Uh, he does think things through, and I think that's important because that, because with him and Ebon uh, or uh, Wade, who we'll see coming up soon, uh, they're very—I mean, they are the gang leaders. Like they are yeah. very smart guys, um, and it's 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 really cool to kind of see this all play out between the three of them, mm-hmm. and then when Norbert Bandman comes in, four of them, because that that's something that persists through the rest of the show right is the idea of there being gangs and the effects of gangs on the the kids and the town right yeah yeah so um we don't really see what happens to hot streaks gang anymore okay uh but ebon yeah he's, he still has uh his his main crew is still with him okay because they are all mutated and he still kind of leads them that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. and they're sick he's got the guy that can turn his hands into knives that oh, guy's pretty cool. Knife fingers? Yeah. I uh, have Talon. Uh, oh, I remember her. Yeah. yeah. No. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does. Yeah, she yeah she's the, a bird. Yeah. <laughs> she's a bird girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her only lines of dialogue for the rest of the show are, Aah! Yeah. Uh, but with more of a Hispanic accent, because she's Spanish. I'm not going to try and attempt that. <laughs> that would be really inappropriate on my part. Um, you have our, uh, the rat kid, rat face. There's another rat character? There's another rat character, yeah. God. Uh, who else is part of his game? He always tries to recruit people. Okay. So then you kind of have this sub-story going on in future episodes of, like, <clears throat> kids who are affected by the Big Bang that it, it starts to turn into just, like, normal people, and you forget that it's supposed to just be gang people that are in this, mm-hmm. but that's not important. Um, so you have normal people kind of walking this line of, like, I'm now an outcast and these people are accepting me, but they want me to do bad things. But if I stay here, everyone's just going to continue to make fun of me and make me feel horrible. Yeah. I mean, it, it plays up the, like the mutant element Mm -hmm. that we see in a lot of places. And again, talking about our other favorite show that we don't cover, uh, X-Men evolution, like that showed a really good job of, um, you know, like, do you gravitate towards the Brotherhood? Do you gravitate towards the X Men? Yeah. Like, where can you find acceptance with your your powers? So, mm-hmm. no. And like, there, there's one episode I'm so excited for you to watch because it's it's by far the worst episode of the series. Um, because we learn it wasn't just people that were affected by this mutagen. Oh my god, we get super powered cats. Nope, much dumber than that. Uh, okay, but can we? Can we have some headcanon here? Okay. Where uh, there was like a nest of street cats next to the Big Bang, and they all got mutated into weird like semi-human people, and then they became the cast of the- Of cats? Of cats. Yes. Okay. I'm down. I'm so down. 
there's, I mean, just, I, there's just James Corden cat hanging out in the background yep. of this yeah. cartoon. I don't want to spoil how dumb it, like the dumb thing that it is, but I also just want you to know uh, now. Uh, just hold on to it. Hold oh, on it's to, so hold good. Hold on to it. We have like a season it. and a half to get to it. It's fine. Well, we have so many things to look forward to over the rest of this. The people that know, they know. They know. Because it's so dumb. Like, that is one of the things I'm really excited about with this, is this is really the first one that I don't have any recent memories of. Because mm-hmm. I, I revisited a lot of BTOS you know, Superman, I saw a lot of when I was a kid and remembered a good chunk of it, and I would rewatch some of it. And then I I rewatched all of Batman Beyond a few years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, th- I, I think I rewatched Static maybe five ish years ago. Okay, yeah. So like, with Zeta, like, I never watched that as a kid. Same. So, I mean, like, it was a new show, but we weren't as invested in it as we are in this. We're like, this is the first time I get to, like, truly revisit some, some childhood stuff I haven't seen since then. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about it. Mm hmm. Um, Okay, so so one one, two other little things about the episode. Yeah. Uh, one of which I think is just rude, just because I know, uh, the creator's past, mm-hmm. and it's uh, after he stops Francis by dropping a sewer pipe on him, no. or the the contents of the sewer, on him, uh, he just leaves that out of the ground and walks away. <clears throat> yeah. It's for like the the uh, I guess the city to clean up. Yeah. Uh, I think that's hilarious because McDuffie his start was on um, damage control. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I'm like, how dare... You You of all people know that's not how well, they should handle this. So, I mean, that's one thing worth noting is uh, when they started working on the show, Dwayne McDuffie was brought in as a story editor and writer. Mm-hmm. So he... I mean, he would have been in the writer's room, I think, for these early episodes, but he yeah. actually had nothing to do with the development of the show, which happens before the writer's room even starts. Okay. So I think maybe he had an increased presence over the course of the series, but mm-hmm. I think maybe this, some of this really early stuff was more in the hands of like Alan Burnett and some of the uh, the legacy BTOS team. Okay, but that is really funny. I, I bet that was in there deliberately, just a little nod. Yeah, too. just just to like enrage him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like that is one of the things that I'm I'm excited about in regards to revisiting this is that you know Dwayne McDuffie does have this really fantastic legacy, and it, unfortunately he has since passed mm-hmm. since all this came out. Um, so it's really great that revisiting this is an opportunity to go back and like reappreciate his his work. Yeah, and then the 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 last note I have for this episode is I forgot that Warner Brother or WB used to do this where they would have the drawing at the end. Where they would do the speed sketch of a character. Oh yeah, they did that here, that. and they did that for Jackie Chan. Oh, that's and I fucking Jackie. loved it. They did do it for Jackie Chan. When when yeah. I saw that start and they played the music, I like squealed like a child again. Brought you right back. Yes, Aww. immediately. Like I was Aww. sitting in front of my TV in my bedroom again. But that's also how you were watching it today. Yeah, cross-legged on a lazy Susan eating cereal. Yeah, Fruit Loops. Uh, no, I uh, I was a I was a. a, a Adult eater as a child. I ate raisin bran. You know, you had to keep that healthy, regular colon going. Yeah, on. I, I respect it now as a as, I had a, as an clean... adult man who eats a lot of oatmeal. I respect that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I always watched cartoons sitting on a lazy susan when I was a kid. It was just in in the room. For some reason. Did you name the lazy susan? No. It was just the lazy susan. Okay. And I would I would spin during the commercials. <laughs> I'm buying you a lazy Susan <laughs> for Christmas. Your gift is going to be a lazy Susan. Just, Great. just know that ahead of time. Uh, should we get into? Oh, I actually didn't write down any notes from friends. Fuck. What if we had any? 
Uh, oh, yeah. Um, let me look real fast. Uh, while you do that, I will go over some fun facts. Uh, the first fun fact that I have is uh, before the show started, there was one reference of Static on television before, and it was uh, on Will's wall in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you can see issue one of Static. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. That's awesome, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, highly inspired by Spider-Man. McDuffie started Marvel, was not happy with how they handled their ethnic superheroes. That paragraph that I wrote, uh, he's a writer and story editor on the show. It's more of a villain of the week show. Uh, but with a twist, because the main villains all have a connection to Virgil be- uh, from the bang, for the most part, um, everyone kind of already knows each other, which I think is a really cool thing. And I don't think we've seen that before in a superhero show. Um, I think this was a huge, like one of the biggest first social commentary shows we had before kind of social commentary was such a big thing. It handles such topics as racism, school shootings, gang, drug dealing, loss of family members, etc. Um, and then is this, while we have all that going on, is this the most lighthearted of the DCAU shows? It's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty effervescent. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously BTOS is dark, both in aesthetic and in tone. Mm-hmm. And Superman was... Bright but serious. But yeah, it was fairly serious. Superman is, is generally a pretty serious character. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say so. Because, you know, Terry was fairly quippy because he too is really heavily Spider-Man inspired. Mm-hmm. But, but the show was dark. The show was visually dark. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. That and he was kind of broody a lot of the time. Like, yeah. Not Batman broody, but still pretty like... His base attitude wasn't just like happy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would say so, yeah. I think... You know, one of the things I read, I was reading through some, like, um, just general commentary on the show when it initially came out, and the sort of reviews that it got, and obviously got really positive ratings. It was a hugely successful show, actually, when it came on the air. I think I still have the numbers up here. Um, yeah, that's, that's more I'm not going to get into it. But, like, I mean, it, it was doing really, really well in the ratings. It was Good, because like it's a the, great show. Yeah, it's, like, the top handful of shows. Like, it, it was greenlit for season two within the first month of, of airing. Um and I think there's a number of reasons. Was it after the Shaq episode? It was clearly after the Shaq episode. The one Shaq episode. Like, uh, we need more of yeah. this. Look, I think there Like, are, six more yeah. Shaq episodes. It's, it's so weird to look at this kind of now as adults 20 years on in a very different social and entertainment context. But we think about when this show came, came out, like, like we said, this was the first African-American-led superhero show. So all of a sudden, there's a bunch of kids who are seeing people like them for the first time ever on screen mm-hmm. which is hugely which important. i think started started the wave because i remember after this cartoon network had uh juniper lee which mm-hmm. i think is probably the next one okay where it was a uh i think she was japanese uh a, a japanese yeah uh kind of almost crime fighter yeah well <clears throat> jackie chan adventures jackie chan yeah it came out you at know, the same time as and, this and like but having having it be kids though right yeah yeah that, juniper that lee a was a kid it helps um, a lot too American Dragon Jake Long. Yeah. Um, El Tigre on Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Amazing show. And so, like, we've talked about this at length, and we'll probably continue to talk about it, but, like, that's super important to have people be able to see characters that literally physically look like them on screen. But also, it's just a super relatable, fun show. And one of the reviews I read specifically said that it addresses serious things without ever talking down to its audience or, or, or pandering. 
which is something that you and I were critical of even on BTOS. Occasionally would feel like, oh, this is this their is a like, PSA episode. Yeah, like their PSA episode, mostly about trains. But So like, many trains. So many trains. You always got to look out for those damn trains. What but, was happening in 1993 where there's so many trains? So many train accidents. More than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Uh, it was a national crisis. Apparently. That had to be addressed in kids' cartoons. But this already in that first episode, you know, had a moment, like a very serious, real moment addressing the dangers of guns. And even if it was done in a, in a slightly oblique way, the message still comes through. But that never disrupted the, the flow or the energy of the show or the tone. And that's, I think, going to be one of the fun things going forward is seeing a show that is targeted at kids and is trying to teach something valuable to kids but isn't treating them like kids. Yeah. Which is a challenge. And it's, it's a really a challenge as an adult to figure out how to do that. And I think this show does a good job with it. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. Um, we don't really have any notes from friends that went and scrolled okay. through. And that's we were, fine. It's, a, it's, it's an off week for us. But, but that's fine. Uh, please say hi, guys. We're lonely. Yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, should we get into some bat plugs? Let's do it. Uh, I know you have something you want to plug. Yeah, so I just watched the first episode of Watchmen on HBO, and I'm really, really impressed by it. Good. I, I know you don't share my opinion on it. Um, it it's not with the sh- I wasn't in the right mindset for a show like that, um, but I'll get into that in a second. You talk okay, about the so good things first. I think what I was most impressed by, and I, I won't really get into uh, there are, I guess, some kind of spoilerish things. There's some reveals in the first episode that I'm not going to mention because when they happened for me, I was like really, really like blown away by them. I'll tell you off air. What, like, I was like, holy fuck. Okay. But what I was really impressed by in this show is the world building. It's There's so many really interesting things happening. Um, mm-hmm. Like even the opening sequence is like really, really intense. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, really intense and... There's a, a a moment towards the end of the pilot that kind of ties it back in, but otherwise it feels kind of disconnected. But I think it's so interesting about this show is they were really smart about how they approached this because obviously it's set in the world of Watchmen, but it's now what the world would be like in the modern day after the events of Watchmen have happened in the 80s. Yeah. But I also think it's clever that they went for a really street-level look at it. So the show is set in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I think by doing that, you give a very different side to the superhero dynamics because there's not only superheroes in this. The whole thing in this world is that now everyone wears masks. So the cops wear masks to protect their identity and then there's like a, a white supremacist group that has been inspired by Rorschach called the 7th Cavalry and they wear Rorschach masks. Mm-hmm. But everyone wears masks. Everyone's protecting their identity. Um, but it's still a world where everything is a little bit offbeat and different and superheroes exist like there's American hero story rather than like American horror story that's focused on the Minutemen. Mm-hmm. And there's all these really cool nods and winks to elements of the comic that feel earned or because they're, or they, they also feel integral to the story. Not like they're just like throwing them in there, but it's also so much is happening in the background and there's just a lot of little comments and, I wouldn't call this like a spoiler, but at one point it's it's made they reference the fact that Robert Redford's been president for like thirty years, something like that. I think it's interesting. It's like oh, Redford's president, and that there's this idea about almost like what would have happened if the country had been run by liberals for the last thirty years, but maybe they hadn't done the best job. And so there's this like the w- whole world is a little bit more skewed towards 
like a modern perception of like global perspective. Um, like one interesting nod is that the cops have to get permission to use firearms. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. And we actually see that that causes complications in some ways. Um, or the fact yeah, that everyone hates the guy who's in charge of it. Yeah. Everyone hates like the, the bureaucrat is in charge of releasing the guns. And then, you know, another thing too, is that they make reference to Vietnam being a state, which is super interesting. So it, the world feels a little bit offbeat and different and also feels tonally really in line with the comic. Yeah. Like it's, it's super violent, but in very specific ways. And it, to me, it never felt gratuitously violent in the way that, the movie did. And I, I'm an apologist for the Zack Snyder movie in a lot of ways. And I've seen the ultimate cut, which I quite liked. And again, I keep threatening. We're going to do the, the live action movies. We'll cover that at some point, but that movie, I think only got the superficial elements of the story. Like from a visual perspective, that movie nails it. Oh, absolutely. Like I say from visually one of the best adaptations from a, a comic to film. Yeah. If anyone can, copy a comic frame onto a screen and Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. And like, again, and we say that in kind of like a, a slightly sarcastic manner, but it's true. He's a, he's mm-hmm. a really good visual. Also Rodriguez can do it. And Robert well. Rodriguez. Yeah. They're, he's a really good visual storyteller, but I think he missed some of the, the tone and some of the, the kind of thematic point of the comic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this show hits those things really well, even though it's so separated from it story wise. Um, yeah. I, I was really, really impressed by, uh, they're they're taking all of it i'm super excited to keep going like it's not like music is a pretty big part of the show in some spots too which was um even a part of the comic in a weird way you've read Watchmen, right i have not oh okay jesus christ (laughs) you were if you were looking for things (laughs) uh do you own a copy of Watchmen? i own two copies of Watchmen, actually my god cameron can you just go read Watchmen? like it is I think pretty much required reading. I know to have any sort of commentary on anything in the superhero genre. <laughs> uh, so I would suggest. I mean, it. I know about the giant starfish. It's squid. squid. It's I know about the giant squid, but I know about Starro at the end. Oh my god! Look, it's it's worth reading, but even Alan Moore even incorporated song lyrics into like the beginning of the chapters. And one of the things that I thought Zack Snyder did very well was he then literalized that. I mean, he, he's really good at literalizing things, mm-hmm. but he literalized that in a really effective way in the movie, which I think has great use of music and that's carried over through here too. So just, I don't know for me, I was, I thought this was a really great way to extend that story and really have it be a modern commentary. Cause I, you very quickly figure out that this show is primarily about race. Um, and I think it's doing a, a really good job of giving, giving some modern perspective on that. So you did not feel the same way, though. I, like I said, I just wasn't like super, I obviously wasn't as focused as you were on it because yeah. I missed all of that. It's, it's, I, I mean, I know you weren't super keen on it. I might go rewatch that first episode. I, I will. It, it's, it, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just how HBO sets up their shows right now. And <clears throat> I think this one might be handled better. But I don't like it when they give me 50 questions in the first episode and then answer three by the end of the season. Okay, I I, I agree with you. When you describe it now, I feel like I just wasn't paying enough attention where Mm -hmm. they didn't do that this time. Um, But that was my biggest concern with Westworld. Um, The Leftovers did the same thing. Okay, I never watched The Leftovers. And, and, And Westworld, I think, does that to a problematic level. Yeah. I think that 
creative team is actually just like obsessed with trying to make it as confusing as possible. And I, I would say the big difference for me between and they what, got mad when everyone figured it out immediately. Everyone figured it out super quick. I think the difference I'd find between Westworld and the first episode of Watchmen is when you're watching Westworld, you're going what a lot. When I was watching Watchmen, I was going, oh, that's interesting. I want to mm-hmm. know more about that. Okay. Because it's all just like this kind of like background stuff. It's not that they're posing questions, but they're introducing ideas or concepts that aren't fully explained, but they're not necessarily – so they're, they're mysterious, but not – I don't know. They didn't feel unanswered for me at least. Okay. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll give it I'll give it more chances. Yeah. I, I would say give it – maybe go rewatch the first one. I'm definitely going to go watch the second one. Like I, I was really, really impressed by it. I'll, I'll probably wait two or three weeks until I can just watch them all back to back. Yeah. So I have less questions. You have fewer questions. Fair enough. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to to plug? Uh, I'm trying. I don't think I watched anything new this week. I just like watched all my Halloween movies. Um, I'm gonna regret asking this, camera, But what is your list of Halloween movies? <clears throat> Funny you should ask that, Chris. Um, what did I? I watched. Uh, I watched a few new ones. I watched uh, Evil Dead for the first time. Uh, it's the original. Good. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I really liked that. Uh, watched Scream and Scream 2 for the first time, watched It and It 2 for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, my my go-to uh, is obviously Halloween Town, yes. 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, and then Alvin and the Chipmunks, Meek Frankenstein, and The Wolfman. <laughs> They're great movies. I'm sure. With great music. I'm sure they are. Um, the, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine Halloween episodes are great. Mm-hmm. Have you watched those? No, I've never seen any Brooklyn Nine Nine. I I would, I would start with the Halloween episodes because I think those are though I think those are the paintball episodes of that series. You know I can't do that though. Why? I I, I can't just watch an episode of a show. I I have to watch it in order. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I have very specific ticks, Cameron. I I do have I have a dumb plug. You don't have to include it because it's anime. Uh, also, I'm not including any of these. I'm just asking you. Yeah, I know. Watching. I know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I, going to all this work. Yeah, that's fine. I I, um, I went to go watch the One Piece movie in theaters, mm-hmm. One Piece Stampede. Uh, I also didn't realize how... I knew there was a lot of episodes, but uh, I watched a summary video. Uh, there are a thousand comic issues or manga issues, 900 episodes, 24 video games, 19 movies, uh oh no 14 stage plays uh and one theme park all based around this property now are how insane is that are those all different different parts of one ongoing story or are some of them like adaptations of each other uh some of the stage plays are adaptation the first four are retellings after that it's always been a new story oh my god that's insane yeah and like I was talking to one of my coworkers about this. Like, we thought the Pokemon craze was big in America. Like, One Piece craze is still huge in Japan. Uh, how was the movie? It was great. Okay. It was it was the fans. It was the most fan service I've ever seen in a show, in a movie before. That is saying something. That's saying a lot. Yeah, because I watch a lot of fan service. We things. watch a lot of very fan servicey things. <clears throat> yeah, but like every major character that's been in every arc for the past nine hundred episodes had a cameo in one way or another. That's pretty fantastic. The idea I was, I was giving my uh, coworker the, like the, the sentence description and it's um, a pirate holds a pirate expo. And then the Marines show up to stop it. 
which causes more pirates to show up to stop the Marines, which causes more Marines to show up to stop the new pirates. So escalation. And yeah, and that that's the entire movie. Sounds pretty good, actually. It was, it was so good. Uh, wait, did you end up watching Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go? No, not yet. I gotta watch it. I so know, Halloween things are over now, though. I'll watch oh, it now. Okay, fine. It's so good. Mm-hmm. We have to like rewatch it, though, before we talk about it, because it's been like yeah. three weeks since I watched it. I've been it. rewatching Teen Titans as well. Okay, I'm holding off on watching, rewatching Teen Titans mm-hmm. in anticipation of the eventual spinoff of this show called Titans Talk. Yeah, well, I needed, I just needed to like wash my mouth out after watching Titans from last week and this week. And I'm like, let's just remember what it was like when it was really good. Yeah. I mean, I think I told, yeah, I think I know I told you that I rewatched uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies recently, mm-hmm. too. It's great. And I forgot they include the original theme in the end of it. And I've been like, had it in my head and listening to it all week Teen Titans. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Do you remember the, the band? Um, something Go Go? Nope. Nope. Okay, here we go. That I don't. Hi, hmm? I don't. I don't remember. Hi, hi Puffy Yami Yumi. Don't remember that. Yeah, they but had their own. That's what I have you here for. Okay? They had their own cartoon show for two seasons on Cartoon Network. Of course they did. For some reason. And uh, it was great. I'm sure it was. Uh, I think, are we good? We, I think we're good, yeah. we wrap it up, land this ship? Uh, but yeah, if you want to reach out to us, uh, if you have uh, you know fond memories of Static from back in the day, or if you're re-watching along with us, or if you also happen to watch Watchmen this last week. Yeah. Or if you watch whatever camera was talking about, One Piece. No one did. Something. And that, that was like my upsetting thing, is I had no one to talk about One okay, Piece Okay, if someone listening watched the One Piece movie, <laughs> please write in just so that Cameron knows that there are others out there like him. I know there... I mean, obviously I know they exist. The, my, my friend that I normally talk about this with is in Japan right now. Oh, okay. So well, he hasn't seen it yet. That's fitting. Yeah, right? And also ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. That's right. Uh, Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me uh, at Camdexter underscore Adventures. Uh, I will have just gotten back from Dapper Day this as true. this episode comes out. So I'll have a lot of Dapper photos. Have you figured out what you're dappering? Uh, I did. Okay. Uh, are you going to Are you going to say on air? Well, yeah, it'll be after. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's not a surprise for anyone. Yeah. Seen. It's <laughs> yeah. only a surprise for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing Benny the Cab from uh, Roger. Oh my God, I cannot Roger wait to see. Cannot yeah. wait to see. Uh, and then if you want to follow my art, I'll be attempting to post some uh, free Disney Plus promotion on my channel. Oh my you God. can find that at Cameron.Dexter. Uh, and you can find at Disney Plus. <laughs> yes. On any social media platform you on want. On any and all, yeah. Yes, and on any home entertainment system starting November 12th. For $6.99. $6.99. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Welcome to the era of Static Shock. We did it. It's going to be a lot Superhero of fun. Superhero Static Shock. Whoop, whoop. Thanks, everyone. Bye.